Hi, everybody. My name is Megan. Guess how old I am? I bet you were wrong. And probably. You won't believe that I am over 30 years old now. But this is true. Although, in fact, I am only 16. Confused? Let me try to explain everything to you. It all started more than 15 years ago. At that time, I just finished school and failed university entrance exams. From my parents, this was virtually the apocalypse. They have always set high hopes on me and really wanted me to become a cool journalist. In the long run, when they realized that all their dreams and hopes had collapsed and their prominent daughter was not as talented as they had thought, they felt really upset. To be honest, I don't even know why my parents idealized me so much. Personally, I have always considered myself an ordinary girl who was neither better nor worse than others. It turned out that my parents had deceived themselves, but were upset with me. They were not just upset. They said that from now on, I would have to go to work and contribute to the family budget, and from their side, there would no longer be any financial assistance. That is, they would not give me pocket money anymore. Basically, my parents made me fend for myself. After that, I lost any hopes concerning my future, because earlier, I was going to expand my knowledge in some subjects within a year and still go to college. But now the words of my parents meant that I could forget about tutors, exams, and universities. Of course, it's hard to find a job when you're 16. No one even hired me as a waitress or a cleaning lady. In the long run, the owner of one cafe took pity on me and gave me the job of a dishwasher. I didn't see any prospects for myself. I didn't see any future. It seemed to me that I would spend my whole life in the stinking kitchen with the simmering machine that turned dirty dishes into clean ones. I felt sad and was apathetic towards everything. I was a dishwasher, and this was my way. After a couple of months in our cafe, a waitress didn't show up for a night shift, so my boss suggested me to work instead of her. Of course, I agreed. Unlike a dishwasher, a waiter gets tips, and sometimes this can be very good money. Oh, and at night, the cafe is usually not very crowded, so I was sure that I could handle it. And actually, I was right. The shift was very easy. There were no more than two customers at the same time in the cafe. In fact, they were quite polite and not picky. Late at night, the cafe was empty and the cashier, together with the cook, decided to take a nap while I was sitting in the hall and looking through vacancies in the latest newspaper. Well, what could I do? Deep inside, I was slightly hoping that I would find a better job even without education. Then an elderly man came into the cafe and ordered a double espresso. I wanted to bring him a menu and wake up my colleagues, but he said that this was not necessary. He would drink coffee and leave. Well, the customer is always right. I continued to leaf through newspapers and write down in my notebook some phone numbers from various ads. After some time, a visitor called me over and asked what I was hoping to find in the newspaper. We got into a conversation, so I told him how I had failed entrance exams and described the reaction of my parents. I also complained that now I was forced to work there as I had no other choice. My new friend sympathized with me and said that he could help me. He introduced himself as a bioengineer and asked if I had heard anything about freezing people before. 
I replied that I had seen some kind of program about it on TV, but that seemed to be something really far-fetched. Then the bioengineer said that he had developed his own scheme of freezing living organisms and had already conducted successful experiments on mice as well as rabbits, and it was high time to try the same on humans. He suggested to me to try this method on myself for quite a good fee, considering that I was a teenager. He offered to freeze me for 15 years and promised to give $1,000 at the moment of signing the contract and $15,000 after my unfreezing. So I decided that since I could not fulfill myself in my current generation, maybe in the next one I would be able to do it. In any case, this was a very interesting experience and quite good entertainment. All I had to do was agree with my parents so that they signed all the required papers. It was most unreal, but I could do it. Just do not ask me how it happened. A week later, the bioengineer handed me $1,000 and said that I had two weeks to prepare for freezing. I decided to spend this time with friends. We went to a mountain hotel and had an unforgettable time there. When our holidays came to an end, we agreed to meet after 15 years and one day. So I have been frozen for 15 years. It's been a month since I was unfrozen and came back to life. During this time, my younger sister Linda was born, and now we are almost the same age. Of course, my parents have changed a lot, and I'm afraid to admit it to myself, but they got very old. When you live with a person seeing him or her every day, you do not notice most of the changes in his or her appearance. But in my case, I saw them at 35 and at 50. The difference is quite significant, and this turned out to be the biggest blow for me. I was also very glad that I had a sister, but she and I were like strangers to each other. I didn't know that she was born, I didn't see how she was growing, and she has never heard anything about me as well. My parents decided to keep silent because they were afraid I would die during unfreezing. I don't even know if we can ever become nearest and dearest people to each other. And now I'll tell you about how I reacted to the surrounding world after 15 years and how the world perceived me. This was something incredible. Everything around, and even my area, was built up with new houses and districts. There appeared many new roads and shops in the neighborhood. When I went to the store alone for the first time, I could not find my way home. However, I was no more than 500 meters away from the place where I lived. And during my sleep, there was a huge leap forward in the development of technology. I still have not learned how to use all these newfangled smartphones and tablets, but this is a real miracle. Fifteen years ago, I couldn't even imagine that the Internet would become so accessible and stable, and that it would be possible to communicate with my friends from anywhere in the world via video calls. In addition, all these social networks and instant messengers erase all sorts of boundaries. Now I can even send a photo to my sister, and in a couple of seconds, she will see it. Apart from that, I don't have to go to school to find out the address of my former classmate. I can open Facebook and find it in a couple of minutes. That's just brilliant. But there is a flip side to this progress. People began to constantly hang out with their gadgets and even look at the screens of mobile phones while walking. Fifteen years ago, I watched a sci-fi movie where zombies were moving along the streets holding some mini screens in their hands. And then my friends and I were laughing at the plot. And who would have thought that 15 years later it would become a reality? 
In fact, I'm very scared to see all this, because even the very friends who used to laugh at this film together with me are now zombified by their gadgets. I hope that when I fully learn how to use my iPhone, I will not become dependent on it. Apart from that, I would like to talk about modern fashion and beauty. The beauty industry, of course, also took a great step forward, and this is very cool. But I do not understand why everyone is so attracted by huge, literally huge lips. Why? Who says that it's beautiful? Also, I am shocked by girls' eyelashes that are one meter long. Now, cheekbones and eyebrows are made. The shape of the nose is changed with a single injection. Nails and even hair are artificially grown. Before, we used to laugh at it when we saw such stories in films. It seems that the world has turned into all those comic episodes that just made us smile. And now it's not funny for us. Today, we are worshiping all this. Well, I can't but mention anything about people who have become completely different. Before, everyone was more sensitive and kind. Now, even people's looks have become different. They are somehow colder. I was also shocked by the fact that the comedian whose shows I once watched with great pleasure became a president. I guess that 15 years from now, clowns will rule the world and everyone will consider it normal. Although I think I'm an apolitical person. I had never imagined that such a thing was even possible. I've recently met my friends from the past. They are already over 30. Many of them have families and children. And I realized that after all, my biological age froze together with me. Children and teenagers are closer to me than adult men and women. My sister says that I am lost in time. Now I am a stranger to both my peers and modern teens. $15,000 slipped through my fingers in a month in the modern world without ever making me happy. If I could take the time back, then probably I would have refused to be frozen. I believe that a person should live in his or her time, in his or her era, and not jump over decades like I did. It is morally difficult. I couldn't believe my eyes. A hidden camera, right in my room. This couldn't be happening. Who installed it? And how did I not see it? Hi, my name's Susan, and you would never believe the story I'm about to tell you. I wouldn't believe it either, and to be honest, I still don't. I'll start by saying that ever since I was a kid, I've been considered weird. Yeah, my hobbies are not what you'd call ordinary. I used to watch videos about conspiracy theories. I believed in ghosts and the afterlife. I saw signs in everything. My friends and parents had gotten used to my peculiarities a long time ago. My mom and dad were more concerned that I was doing well in school and not hanging with shady people. My friends, on the other hand, appreciated my sense of humor and openness. And all was well until the night when I first noticed something strange. My friends and I were coming home from the movie theater, discussing the movie and making plans. Usually, we walk together to the same intersection, and then we go our separate ways home. We wished each other good night, exchanged jokes, and I turned onto my street. I was in a good mood. I walked past the houses and smiled to myself. But the smile disappeared from my face when I put my hand in my pocket to get my headphones. The pocket was empty. Oh, damn. I lost my headphones that my parents had given me for my birthday years ago. Maybe I dropped them on the way. <sighs> With a sigh, I headed back to the intersection, hoping that my headphones were still lying on the pavement somewhere. 
As I turned to the corner, however, I instantly forgot about losing them. My friends, who seemed to have gone home at the same time as I did, were standing at the same intersection where we said goodbye, arguing about something. I froze and opened my mouth to call out to my friends. Suddenly, Owen saw me. It's Susan, he yelled. The guy's faces changed and they started running away. I was still standing at the intersection, not really sure what was going on. I had no choice but to turn around and go home, giving up on my lost headphones. So, what was that all about? I asked this question in our shared chat room. What do you mean? Owen replied immediately. Don't make a fool out of me. I saw you at the intersection. You ran away as soon as you saw me. The chat was silent for about five minutes. I saw the guys were typing something, but they never sent it. I could bet that outside of the chat, they were discussing how to respond. You're making things up again, Susan. Finally wrote Tori. Did you watch your weird reptiloid videos all night again? The others responded with smiley faces. Oh, really? Of course, the best defense is offense. And actually, reptiloids do exist. I'll see how these geniuses laugh when the lizards take over the planet. I decided not to respond and tossed the phone aside. And these are my best friends. I watched the notifications from the shared chat pop on my phone all evening, but I didn't respond. Surely, they were making wisecracks about my imagination. But the strange things didn't stop there. In the morning on my way down to breakfast, I heard my parents talking and I almost fell down the stairs. They clearly weren't ready for me to get up so early. What do we need to talk about? Dad asked. I'd never had time to read the message. I had a lot of work to do. John, you're being irresponsible about your role. Mom answered. We need to say that Anne Jacqueline is sick and we need to visit her next week. That doesn't sound believable, to be honest. Well, what can I do? They told me to improvise and I last acted in a school play about 20 years ago. What does it all mean? What kind of roles are they talking about? Meanwhile, my parents finished their strange conversation and my mother shouted, Susan, breakfast is ready. I had to go downstairs and pretend I didn't hear anything. Of course, my appetite was out of the question. Thoughts swirled in my head, one more suspicious than the next. My friends obviously wanted to discuss something without me. This has never happened before. We always did everything together and had no secrets from each other. My parents were up to something too and made up some crazy story about Aunt Jacqueline. Just so you understand, my Aunt Jacqueline is a very rich and very unpleasant person. Even on her deathbed, she wouldn't want to have poor people like us hanging around her. So, the story my parents were going to tell me was a total fail. But that's not what surprised me. They said to improvise. Who's they? Ugh, all this weirdness is worthy of the Shane Dawson channel. I'd love to jump to a conclusion or two, but I had absolutely no clue as to what was going on. I wanted to keep a closer eye on my parents' behavior, and I decided not to communicate with my friends at all for now. I was so offended by what they said. I was so angry that they made me look like a freak. So I'll let them hang out without me until they admit what they did was wrong. And they can explain their bizarre behavior. Well, for the next few days, my parents didn't raise any suspicions, as if they knew I was watching them closely. We usually spent Friday nights together. 
We'd have a nice dinner, and then we'd sit in front of the TV and watch a movie. We have a rule in our family. We take turns choosing a movie. One week it was mom, next week it was dad, and the week after, it was my turn. If it wasn't for this rule, I would have only survived family movie nights for a couple of months. My parents would usually pick some old movie, and I would almost fall asleep in the middle of it. But when it was my turn, we always had a great time. Well, at least I did. This Friday, I was out of luck. My mother, as usual, chose some old sob story. But this time, I didn't manage to get any sleep. The movie was called The Truman Show, and it was about a man who one day discovers that his whole life was a reality show. There were cameras everywhere. Every event in his life was directed by a genius producer, and the people, even those closest to him, are just actors playing parts. I forgot how to breathe. The credits were rolling on the screen, and I still couldn't get my thoughts together. Susan, is everything okay? Mom put her hand on my shoulder. Yeah. I stared at her. They said to improvise. Mom's words played in my head like a broken record, and my friends discussing something behind my back and then pretending it didn't happen. This couldn't be happening. Of course I couldn't sleep that night. Rolling from side to side, I tried to calm down and prove to myself that there was no reality show featuring me. It was a ridiculous idea. I could write a book with my wild imagination. I decided to bring my teddy bear Barney to bed. When I was a kid, he always helped me fall asleep quickly. But at some point, I decided that sleeping with a teddy bear at my age was stupid. Since then, Barney had settled on the shelf above my desk. I haven't picked him up for such a long time, and I wish I hadn't. Once I looked at his cute face, I screamed and dropped the toy on the floor. No way! As I took Barney into my hands again and looked closely, I felt my insides freeze. A hidden camera. It was installed in the right eye of my teddy bear. Who installed it? And what was it filming? Is my whole life a scripted show? Like in that movie? My parents came running into the room. When my mom saw Barney in my arms, she gasped and stared at my dad. Why didn't you tell me the truth? I screamed. What do you mean? Dad looked at mom disapprovingly. Didn't you tell her everything? I should have, but I forgot. Susan, it's... You forgot? I threw the bear to the floor. Forgot to tell me that my whole life is a stupid reality show. And you're complete strangers to me. How could you forget that? Honey, Dad said softly. Don't be so dramatic. What's he talking about? What do you mean dramatic? Now I knew what that strange remark from Mom meant. My parents suggested we talk about this in the morning over breakfast without getting too emotional. They took Barney and cautiously left the room, clearly afraid of making me more angry. I was in shock. What was I supposed to do now? Where to go if everything around me isn't real? I grabbed my phone and opened the group chat room. My friends for days now have been trying in vain to work things out with me by sending me funny stickers and asking how I was doing and how long I was going to stay mad. Stay mad? I know everything! Despite the late hour, my message was immediately read by everyone in the chat room. Barry was the first to respond. I knew it was a stupid idea. Well, you should have thought of something different, Monica replied. Susan, we're sorry we tricked you. We had no other choice. 
Owen added a crying smiley face. I started typing, feeling tears well up in my eyes. What do you mean there was no other way out? My whole life is ruined. Now I don't know what's true and what's a lie. Who are my real friends and who are the actors who are paid to pretend to be my friends? Uh, Sue? You're obviously overreacting, Tori said. I felt like smashing the phone against the wall. Overreacting? My whole life is a freaking reality show, and I'm overacting? Susan, I don't really understand what you mean. Barry stepped in again. We just wanted to surprise you. I know those headphones were dare to you, but the ones we got you are mind-blowing. What other headphones? I was totally confused about what was going on. And then my friends, interrupting each other, began to tell me their vision of what was happening. As it turned out, they'd long noticed that my headphones were barely alive. Barry, Owen, Tori and Monica decided to chip in and buy me the coolest new headphones. And to make sure I would use them, they decided to steal my old headphones. And that's what my friends did that day at the movie theater. I swear, Sue, you're gonna go crazy when you hear those basses, raved Owen. Wait a minute. You wrote that you knew everything. What did you mean by that? I didn't know what to answer, Tori. I didn't want to look any weirder than I was. Okay, this part of the story seemed pretty believable. But what the hell was up with the camera in my room? That's what my parents told me at breakfast. We installed hidden cameras a long time ago, Mom explained. There's more than one in the house, one per room. But don't worry, we only turn them on when the whole family goes on vacation. I should have told you about it, but I forgot. I got carried away. Actually, it's strange that you've only noticed them now, dear. Daddy frowned. How do you clean your room? Again, the best defense is a good offense. But what about the one sentence that scarred me so much? Our friends invited us to a spa hotel next week. To relax, to have fun, Mom said. We were embarrassed that we weren't taking you with us, and we didn't want you to think we were tired of you. To be honest, I still didn't fully believe their explanations. Too many coincidences, don't you think? Or maybe I am living in a reality show. But then, how do I know for sure? Please, share your opinion in the comments. And if you like my story, subscribe to our channel and like this video. Hi everyone, my name is Leslie. I live with my dad. He's a cop and controls my every move. My parents got divorced a few years ago, and I've been living with my mom all this time. However, she had to fly out of state for a year for work, and I had to move in with my dad, who lived in a small town. No, I love my dad, but the whole situation sucked. New town, new schooling classmates, and a new life, because my dad is a strict man. My mom didn't let me do much either, of course, but my dad laid out his rules right away when I came to visit. No boys, no long walks, and no parties. Also no short dresses or skirts. Honey, I work with criminals and I know what they can do. I want you to be safe, and I don't want you getting involved with anyone, especially Johnson. Who's Johnson? He's your future classmate. I've already checked out all your new classmates. Johnson is a frequent visitor to my station, always getting into trouble. All he can do is fight and steal. Watch out for him. He's not your kind of crowd. And when I saw this Johnson guy, I knew what my father was talking about. Dirty, unkept, very mean and arrogant. Wow, we got a princess over here. He gave me a cheeky smile. 
I was startled and immediately pepper sprayed him in the face because what my dad said about this guy really affected me. Hey, is that how a princess greets people? The troublemaker was indignant and covered his face with his hands. Everyone just laughed at him and gave me a thumbs up. I thought that such an unconventional introduction would help me avoid Johnson's attention. But after class, some guys grabbed me. Hey doll, wanna introduce yourself? Leave me alone, I said trying to get out of their grasp. Why are you so boring? Come with us, let's have some fun. Hey, the lady said she didn't wanna talk to you, said Johnson, and he got into a fight with these guys. He quickly scattered them and then asked me if I was all right. I was really scared. But I was also shocked, which made me speechless for a moment. And then my dad showed up at the wrong time to pick me up. He saw me next to Johnson. Hands off my daughter, Brandon. My father said sternly. Ah, so the princess is your daughter. The boy smiled. All I did was help her. Don't go within a mile of her, understand? Or you'll spend the night at the station behind bars. I'd be happy to. I haven't been there for a whole week. Brandon grinned. I couldn't even stand up for him which made me feel insanely ashamed. At home, my dad told me again to stay away from Brandon and reminded me not to hang out with boys until college. Otherwise, my schoolwork would suffer and any boy who dares to go out with me would suffer too. I'm sure my dad was serious about it. It was really boring at home. I finished all my homework. Dad was watching baseball on TV. I couldn't go out. Besides, I didn't really have anyone to go out with and I felt terribly lonely. I called my mother, but she couldn't talk to me for long because she was busy. In the morning, for the first time in years, I was excited to go to school. I found Brandon and thanked him for rescuing me yesterday. The best thank you is if I could copy your homework, he said. I didn't care, so I gave him my notebook. I noticed, however, that Brandon was having trouble reading. Are you a bad reader? I asked him. Yes, he admitted and blushed. Don't you like books? I don't have time to read. I'm busy surviving. Is there a desert island around here? I joked. I don't have a home. Brandon answered calmly. My parents abandoned me, and I ran away from the orphanage a long time ago. They weren't treating me well. My heart sank, and in a rush of emotion, I hugged Brandon. I started rambling about how I didn't know about his situation, and that I was sorry that this happened to him. And Brandon responded with a smile, saying that it was okay. I looked at him from a different perspective. He has no parents. Nobody cares about him. That's why he's acting like this. Maybe he's trying to get in trouble on purpose to spend the night at dad's station because it's warmer there after all. I told my dad about it. He said he knew perfectly well that Johnson didn't have a home or parents. But what bothers me more is that you started hanging out with him. Leslie, what did I tell you? He'll screw you over. You'll cry over him. I agreed with dad and started avoiding Brandon, even though it was really hard. The guy kept calling me princess, which I loved, and tried to start a conversation. I couldn't resist, and we started chatting in secret. After school, I'd go to the town library, where Brandon would come and I'd teach him how to read and write. And in order to get him to practice more often, I gave him my old phone, and now we text every night. I told Brandon that my dad controlled everything, even my texts, so I had to delete them. My new friend called him the dragon, who holds the beautiful princess captive. Well, that's partially true. And then Brandon asked me out. Dad was on the night shift, so I said yes. He took me to the park, where we could see the beautiful starry sky. And then he timidly took my hand. I blushed. My heart stopped for a second, but I didn't take my hand away. 
I never held hands with a guy before in my life. Suddenly, however, we were blinded by headlights. Leslie, what's going on? Why aren't you home? And what's Johnson doing next to you? We were just taking a walk, I mumbled. Get in the car, and you're going to spend the night in jail, you little shit. Gladly. Brandon smiled and winked at me. At the station, in his office, my father decided to have a serious talk with me. He decided to tighten his control, so he assigned a young intern to me, Rick. Now he had to watch my every move. I freaked out and went home. In the morning, I walked to school accompanied by Rick. The intern was sympathetic, but he couldn't help but obey my father's orders. I was embarrassed walking around the school with a cop. The kids were looking at me sideways. Everyone avoided me. Well, I'll never make any friends here now, and I don't think Brandon is going to talk to me after last night. But once Brandon was out on the street, he texted me right away. I told him about my situation and the cop controlling my every move. Brandon promised to do something about it. And in the evening, when my father went to bed, someone knocked on my window. When I opened the curtains, I saw Brandon. I immediately let the guy in the room. You're crazy, I said quietly with a smile. Dad is home. Yeah, but he goes to bed at the same time. I noticed that a long time ago, being at the station. Besides, I don't want my princess to get bored. I chatted quietly with Brandon. I went on to teach him. And then my friend confessed that no one had ever treated him with such kindness before. And he wasn't even comfortable accepting my help at first. Usually everyone avoids me because I'm the school's biggest troublemaker. Princesses like you just look at me with contempt. And you, Leslie, are not like that. You're very kind. He took my hand again, and I couldn't resist kissing him on the cheek. We texted in class, and after school, we continued texting each other. Dad calmed down and finally got Rick off my back. He also noticed that Johnson hadn't been in a station in a long time. Meanwhile, I helped Brandon get a job at the car wash. You don't have to steal anymore to survive. My dad's friend works here. I made a deal with him. Your shifts will start after school. Thank you, princess. You're a real lifesaver. A few days later, my dad told me he saw Brandon at the car wash. He was surprised because the kid was finally doing something right and started making money. I was pleased. Maybe dad would let us hang out. I secretly brought lunches to Brandon at work, and unfortunately, dad's friend reported it to dad. He confronted me in front of Brandon, but my friend stood up for me. Your control has turned Leslie into an uptight girl. She has no friends at all because of your intern, who's been following her around. Everybody's avoiding her now. Not up to you, Johnson, to decide how she lives her life. I'm her father, and I know best. You get on with your work and your life. Daddy asked Rick to keep an eye on me again. Only now I couldn't go anywhere after school, so I had to stay home all day. Brandon would come over in the evenings, but his visits became rare because of his night job. He wanted to get a flat so he could stop looking for a place to stay every night. And then one evening, while Brandon was visiting me, my father suddenly woke up. He had an emergency at work, so he came in to let me know. He was furious when he saw Brandon and told me I was moving back with my mother and I will never see this troublemaker again. Daddy, no, please! I almost begged. I said it all, Leslie. He took Brandon out of my room and drove him to the station. The next day, I was sitting on an airplane, crying. I loved hanging out with Brandon. I really liked him, too. It was going to be hard for him to be without me. I mean, he had no friends and no support at all. My father told my mother, and she agreed with the punishment. 
She didn't want me getting involved with homeless troublemakers either. However, Brandon and I continued to text each other anyway. He told me he was having a hard time without me, and I told him I was bored without him. Sometimes we'd turn on the camera, and we'd go for walks like that. I knew I wouldn't see Brandon for a long time or ever, because we were separated by a few thousand miles. But I hoped that in a year, things would get better, because my mom and I would be back home, and I wouldn't be so far away from Brandon. But things didn't go according to plan, because mom was offered a permanent job. And of course, she said yes. I was devastated that I would never see Brandon again. He really stole my heart and soul. Several months had passed. Brandon hadn't returned my calls or messages for a week. I realized that he was bored communicating this way and must have found someone else. But then one day, someone knocked on our door. And when I opened it, I couldn't help but shout with joy. I immediately threw myself into Brandon's arms. My princess, I missed you so much. Me too. He said he'd been saving up since I left because he couldn't bear to be away from me. Brandon said he was going to live in this town now, to be close to me. My mother was against our relationship, and she and my father tried to convince me not to waste my time with Brandon. But he soon proved to them that he had changed, and my parents said we could see each other. Are your parents strict too? Write your answers in the comments. I'd love to read them. Bye! Hi everyone, I'm Alice, and I really love pets. Do you have pets at home? As for our family, we have a cat and a lion. Yup, you heard right, a real lion. My dad is a veterinarian and my mom is a zoologist. She works for an animal welfare organization. That's why they often have to travel around the world to help animals that got into trouble. I love my parents and I'm proud of what they do, but I'm often left alone for a long time because they are away a lot. Well, not all alone. I have a cat, Tom. Tom has lived with us for a very long time. He is the rightful owner of the house, and like all the family members, he has his own duties. For example, Tom is an alarm clock for me. In the morning, he climbs on top of me and starts licking my face. I simply can't fight off the annoying cat, so I have to leave my warm bed. I wash up, feed my cat, and then I have an ordinary day, just like any 15-year-old teenager would have. My parents came back from another trip. They were dressed as if they had just returned from a safari. Mom said that this time they helped in building a nature reserve in South Africa. Usually, we would gather in the living room after each trip, and I would listen to their adventure stories open-mouthed. It always ended in the same way. I begged my parents to take me with them, but they said I was still too young and I had to finish school first. I thought that since I couldn't go with them to different countries and watch wild animals, then we could go to our local zoo altogether. I thought it was a great idea, but my mother didn't like it because she hates zoos. She says that the animals are kept there in terrible conditions and are cooped up in cramped cages. Maybe it's true, and maybe she's right, but I didn't think about it. I just wanted to see with my own eyes all the wonderful animals about which they talked so much. Mom understood me. She realized what it was like to listen to the stories about adventures without participating in them, so she agreed to go to the zoo as a family. We went there the next weekend. It simply blew me away. 
It may sound silly, but I was 15 and I knew everything about animals from my parents' stories, but I never saw them live. I ran from one enclosure with animals to another until I finally got to the cage with lions. I watched those big cats move slowly but very gracefully around the enclosure. Then my parents came over. A small fluffy lump caught my attention. It was breathing hard and fast. The lump lay all alone. I pointed it out to my mom. Mom gasped and ran away somewhere at the same moment. Dad and I followed her. We found her in the administration building where she was arguing loudly with the director. From their argument, I realized that the fluffy lump was a little lion cub and its mother had given up on it. She said that the lion cub was in a critical condition and if no one helped it right away, it would die. The director said that it was a normal process and it just needed some time to adapt. However, he had to give in when my mother showed him her zoologist certificate. Mom and dad went to the director's office. I stayed in the corridor and waited for them. In the evening, I asked many questions, but for some reason they didn't answer me and said that I would see everything myself soon. In the morning, I realized what they meant. In the morning, Tom woke me up again and I went down to the kitchen to feed him. But you can't even imagine how surprised I was when I saw a little lion cub eating from the cat's bowl. It was the same lump I had seen the day before. I rushed to caress and stroke him. Then my mother came in. She said that the little lion would live with us for a while until it recovered. Mom was the only person in the city who had sufficient experience, so she volunteered to take care of it, and I was supposed to be her assistant. Mom also added that I should be careful with the lion cub because it limped. When I realized that a real king of beasts would live in our house, I was on cloud nine. I would finally participate in my parents' adventures. I was the happiest teenager ever. Alex, that's what I call the lion cub, and I were always together. When I was at school, I couldn't wait to come home and play with him. Once, I even woke up in the morning because Alex was licking me, and Tom was sitting contentedly on the side of the bed and watching it all. Tom seemed to teach him to do it. On the whole, Tom was like a father to Alex, and the lion cub tried to repeat after him. So Alex and I played, swam in the backyard, and even watched TV. One morning, I woke up as usual because someone was licking me. When I opened my eyes, I nearly jumped out of my bed. A huge lion with a hairy mane was sitting on me. No, Alex didn't grow up in one day. The thing was that a year had gone by. We spent so much time together with him that I didn't even notice how he had turned into an adult lion. All this time, my parents were up and doing. They tried to release Alex into the wild where other lions lived. But his forepaws were still injured, and releasing him into the wild meant his inevitable death because he wouldn't be able to get any food for himself. Therefore, he still lived with us. In fact, the big cat caused a lot of inconvenience. He was becoming a predator, and animal instincts were arousing in him. One evening, the whole family was watching a show about zebras. When Alex was a lion cub, he watched them with curiosity, but now. 
As soon as Alex saw the zebras, he got up on four legs and pushed off. He jumped right onto the screen to catch his prey, but he just pushed the TV set instead of a zebra. The TV set crashed and Alex hid behind the sofa, frightened by the sparks. Dad carefully cut off the power to the TV set. Mom and Dad began to clean up and discuss what had happened. My parents told me and Alex to go to my room. I realized that it was no good. Alex realized it too. When I sat down on the bed in my room, he came up to me and put his muzzle on my knees. In the morning, I was getting ready for school. That day I was in a hurry and I forgot something. Do you think I forgot my keys or my phone? No, I forgot to lock the door. And it would be fine, but Alex knew that if he put his paws on the door handle, it would open. My classmates and I were in the park near the school. Suddenly, I heard screams and yells, and then a whole bunch of children ran towards the playground. At first, I didn't understand what was happening, but I heard the word lion among the children's cries. I looked into the distance, and I saw my Alex running towards me, limping on his forepaws. He jumped on me and knocked me off my feet. The kids on the playground screamed that the lion wanted to eat Alice. But the lion didn't want to eat me. He was just licking my face, and I laughed out loud. Then the viewers began to woo, but there were no daredevils who went down to stroke the cute lion. Of course, a lion walking freely around the city and jumping on teenagers couldn't be ignored, so a few minutes later, a police car, which was patrolling the area nearby, drove up to us. However, the officers were scared and didn't dare to get out of the car right away. They did it only after they saw that I was stroking the lion. They were clearly at a loss and didn't know how to react to that. When one of the police officers wanted to approach us, Alex began to roar, which scared everyone around. I guess Alex thought that the officer wanted to harm me, and he warned him not to do it with his menacing roar. The police realized that I was the only person the lion obeyed, so they asked me to put him into the patrol car. I followed their instructions in order not to frighten the others. At first, I sat in the back of the car, and then Alex joined me. We could hardly fit there together. The cops were scared, but the metal mesh between the back and front of the car gave them some confidence. However, I saw them jump up in fear whenever Alex roared. This amused me a lot, and I could hardly keep from laughing. The officers listened carefully to my explanations and talked to my mother on the phone. After that, they decided to take us back home. My parents were already waiting for us in front of the house, and they told us to go inside. The police officer said that they were obliged to inform the city administration to resolve the problem. Mom looked sad and told them that everything had already been settled. I found out at home how everything had been settled. It took my dad a lot of time to figure out how to tell me about their decision, but he worked up the nerve and said that they had finally found the right place for Alex. I began to protest and tell them that Alex shouldn't be released into the wild because of his injury and he could die there. I burst into tears. Mom said that Alex wouldn't go there. He wouldn't even get into the nature reserve. Alex would go to a wonderful safari park where he and friendly lions like him would play together. 
Alex and Tom came to the living room, both looking very sad. They seemed to understand that it was time for them to say goodbye. I wiped away my tears with my sleeve. Perhaps it was really the best solution because he would make new friends there and there was clearly more territory than our small house. In the morning, the whole family, including Alex, went to the safari park. The director was already waiting for us there. Surprisingly, he wasn't afraid of Alex at all and even stroked him. He walked Alex to the enclosure. I must admit, the territory there was huge, unlike in a zoo. Before leaving, Alex licked my face, as he usually did in the morning. Then he turned around and ran away limping. I saw him run to play with other lions. Seeing this, I realized that it was a better place for him. My parents noticed that I was upset. Dad smiled and said that I could visit him every weekend. I was very happy because I wasn't ready to let Alex out of my life, and I realized that he wasn't ready either because then I heard his roar when we left. Don't be afraid, Alex. I'll see you next Saturday. Do you have unusual pets at home? Tell me about your animals in the comments, like the video, and be sure to subscribe to our channel.